everybody. Welcome to episode 22 of Simply Soccer. I am Michelle Hootink, your host, and of course, my co-host, Christian Conway. Good evening, wherever you may be. Um, I hope you enjoy this with a nice adult beverage, considering the results of the match we're about to talk about. Yes, and uh, as for mending your broken hearts, we're all just here to support each other. Um, you know, it that game delivered. Uh, El Trafico really lived up to the hype. Um, the Galaxy, I have to say, I am proud of them for the fight that they put up to ask this Galaxy team to not only win games away, but to try to come back behind two goals um, when we could barely beat lower table teams earlier in the season. I feel like they stepped up as much as they could. Uh, I know that it looked like they you know, shoulder slump, gave up, um, I know, but I really feel like they, they put in as much heart as, as they could, um, and I'm glad that it didn't go to extra time, because even if it had, I feel like this game would have ended up being like an 8-6 result, um, you know, with the way that things were going, and, you know, of course, it ended up being 5-3, which is a, a really high-scoring game. Especially, um, in the, especially in the playoffs, I mean, you don't, you don't see a, a, a game that is this tight and with the emotions, et cetera, that are involved in this type of game, mm-hmm. you don't see these kind of games ending 5-3. I mean, the Galaxy did put a ton of pressure on LAFC to, you know, get it done. And and I mean, we knew it would be close. We, we knew it would we, be a close game. We knew we knew there would be goals in this one. And I didn't I didn't think we would see this many goals. Um, no, no. Our predictions were completely wrong. I, I, it was... It was what... Like... I, Taylor Tolman kind of kept saying, like, oh, this is the most critical game in MLS history. And I, 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 I shy away from that because I think the most critical games in MLS history are always MLS Cup games because it's title deciders and therefore yes. they are the most important. But outside of MLS Cup, I can't. The only other thing I can think of that came this close was when the Galaxy played San Jose that year that San Jose won the Supporter Shield, I believe it was 2000, 2014, or maybe it was 2012, when like those two teams, whenever they played each other, it was must watch viewing. And this again was one of those games where it's the LA galaxy against a rival in must watch viewing territory. Did you and see it, the streaming numbers? It was like 1.2 million. Like if you included the 916,000 or 61,000, excuse me, that had watched on ESPN. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it was what, what as a general soccer fan in this country, Mm-hmm. was really exciting or like as someone who's really generally interested in soccer in this country i was super encouraged by the fact that the demographic that scored the best in this was the yeah. 18 to 24 demographic they were i mean it, it is if mls is going to turn this tv corner that we always kind of seem to have a I, i'm gonna say it a bit of an inferior inferiority complex about yeah sure this might have been the game that that changed that tide and this might have been the game that got a lot of TV personalities and a lot of TV interest in, because this is what MLS can be. Um, now, I mean, we we have to talk about the way the product is is presented, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, if we talk about like, for example, a lot of people compare it to what NBC is doing on the Premier League, but if ESPN could do something that's very similar to what NBC does with the Premier League, then man, I mean, there's the future of this league is, is, is uncapped. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be proud about moving forward. Absolutely. And when you said that, um, 
you know, LA Galaxy put pressure. They did, they did, but but my notes and, and first thing I was shouting at the screen was that we needed more pressure and um, more control uh, of the ball. And, you know, you look at the stats and I know that you're a big stats guy. And even me looking at our possession, 58%, the shots were 16. It, but the, this has been our season. It's been our season where we dominate the game, but we just don't put it away and we don't defend. Well, the other stat that sticks out in this game is 28 crosses versus four LAFC crosses. I mean, they were, they, the Galaxy were stymied at times in terms of attacking ideas because of the LAFC, the way that they played, which was they sat wingers and outside backs very deep in order to prevent the wingers of the LA Galaxy to get into positions where they could cross or they could, they could throw in good crosses. So the Galaxy were basically crossing to aimless figures Yes. while dominating the game. I mean, I've always maintained possession is about the most meaningless stat in our sport, which is that possession is great, but I've always dreamed of a way of calculating this abstract kind of ideal of meaningful possession. Because, I mean, what, Barcelona teams back in the day under Pep Guardiola used to run, you know, 70 80% possession, and most of it was pretty much meaningless because they were using possession as a defensive tactic. So everyone would say, oh, Barcelona is phenomenal. They ran the game because they had 80% possession, but they'd only score a goal. It was like, so like whenever I see a team that's like leading in possession, I wish there was a way we could distill that stat down to meaningful possession where they're in the attacking third or something like that, where we can actually talk about like what they were doing with that possession that was meaningful. And for a long stretch of this game, I felt like the Galaxy had possession, but they weren't doing anything meaningful with it. And like, you know, the, you fire up 28 crosses against a resolute defense. Like, that's an indication that you don't have ideas going through the next line with this possession to, like, get through this defense that has been so, you know, resolutely set up against you. The other thing I will say, and I I, I will give Bob Bradley credit for this because he actually did something that I, I don't think any of us really expected, which was, look, a lot of the question around this game was, would Bob Bradley switch his tactics considering his tactics had kind of failed him in previous traficos where he kind of got caught in the same patterns and then the galaxy could prepare for those patterns. And then therefore were ready for that. For example, if in the first two classicos of this season, they man marked out to Westa out of the game, they had Fabio Alvarez just basically track him, hack him down whenever he got the ball or just annoy the hell out of him for the entire day. And it really disrupted what LAFC could do. So a lot of us were kind of asking like, Okay, is that going to be the same principle, or is Bob Bradley going to change his tactics? And Bob Bradley changed his tactics. He basically let his team sit a little bit deeper, so that it pulled the Galaxy lines apart from one another. <coughs> when, when what made the Galaxy so good in the first two games against LAC was that they were very compact, and therefore made it very difficult for LAFC to use their superior central midfield ability and pass through the Galaxy. But the Galaxy then, what happened in this game was, especially if you, you saw it on the goal kicks, because on a lot of goal kicks, Tyler Miller never hit it upfield. Usually it was out to an outlet pass to either an outside back or a winger. And that was to pull the Galaxy press up higher so that the forward line would disjoint from the midfield. And the midfield wasn't really sure exactly where to go from there. Because if in the first two Classicos, the midfield line and the forward line were a lot closer together. So I think the Galaxy realized a little too late what was going on in terms of that little tactical wrinkle, and I think it really killed them. Because if you look at the, if you look at the uh, goal that was, or the 
uh, I'm pulling up my notes real quick here. Sorry, apologies. Um, if you look at the the goal that scored in the on the fourth uh, LAFC goal, apologies. The midfield pressure isn't there because the midfield is so disjointed because it's not sure. Do I go up forward to help out the forward line on the defense, or do I stay back and try to clog the midfield again? And then Rossi and when and everyone just have enough time to pass through it that it it just it becomes you know like Swiss cheese almost at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, look, we knew that that LAFC would punish us for on counters and and the hole and the holes in our defense. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about it is, I was a little bit surprised that GBS decided to go with the same the same idea. lineup. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised because I think you played Giancarlo Gonzalez and Dave Romney, and Dave Romney is a Swiss Army knife of a defender. He can really you can put him in any role, and he'll do a decent job at it. And I I don't really have any criticism of Romney this evening, but I mean, LAFC just hammered Giancarlo Gonzalez all night long, and he he didn't have an answer for it. And I almost feel like the smartest sub that GBS could have made in this game. Was that Felcher Giancarlo Gonzalez sub? And he should have yeah, done it. Yeah, and and, and, it, and it showed because Rolf came right in and ended up scoring the third goal. But it wasn't just necessarily the fact that he scored the goal, but defensively they looked a little bit more assured on that side. I think I think they needed a a, a player that was more used to playing the win, and instead of of a guy that's been a career center back. Well, and then who they were playing with too, because Polenta kept giving the ball away, and he just didn't have a good night either. Yeah, I, I think the Galaxy center backs this evening chose to have the worst nights of their careers in the Galaxy jersey. Why and do you the think the worst timing? Well, why do you think that Araujo was not subbed in? Because well, Alvarez is an attacking sub. I mean, they had, and, to I, and I get it, but they had to keep attacking. I mean, they, there was there was no real option at that point. It's that you have to pull everyone off the bench that at least offers an attacking difference, and they, as we saw, they didn't really have a lot. You know, I mean, yeah. you you could have brought in Araujo and basically kind of played him as like a wing back that was just going to pin really high up. But the thing was, I mean, it was, again, I, I come back to this Bob Bradley thing where they were like, we pulled the galaxy a little bit. We pulled the lines a little bit more separate. I mean, there was a lot Araujo of space, that. a lot of grass which exactly. they were passing. And you don't, I mean, you can't bring in Araujo to fix that. And, and I think, the fatal kind of move here where four and five gets scored is that Perry kitchen comes off for Fabio Alvarez. Cause he has to roll the dice. Yeah. There is no way that Lee Wynn, et cetera, runs into space the way that they do if Perry kitchen's on the field, but you have to understand and appreciate the fact that the galaxy are playing behind. They have to find a goal. Fabio Alvarez right. best option in terms of trying to find a goal off, off the bench. And, and we had the shots. And I think that that's what gets me too. is we, we had those shots that were in, I mean, literally, um, okay, besides the obvious ones that went in with Pavel and Zlatan and Felscher, because Felscher also his goal was, you know, it was, it was unmarked. Um, you know, he got the header right in. Zlatan, um, literally, that slips right past Tyler Miller. Um, you know, and, and Miller had been denying us the, you know, several goals throughout the night, like three goals, I think it was. Um, but Pavon, Legit, Romney, um, Steras, Alessandrini, they just, they just, they, and even Jonathan Dos Santos, I, I think he even had like three shots of his own. That that those are just shots that you just have to net 
if we're going to stay alive in this game. Well, the other thing, I, 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 especially on the Felcher goal, um, that was the first time that the Galaxy made their dominance on set pieces felt. Like, the Galaxy really ran this game whenever it came to set piece opportunities. Like, we talk about the Tyler Miller save on uh, Dan Osteres. I mean, we talk about, you know, other moments in, in, in set pieces where the Galaxy really did have looks. Again, I come back to that first 15 to 20 minutes of this game where I'm mm-hmm. like, man, if the Galaxy had just put one in, what's the difference that we're talking about? Like, how, like, you, they have to make one of those chances count in the first 15 minutes. And they yeah. definitely had those moments where if it's a little bit better finishing. Then Pavone hit the post. The Pavone. And- yeah, well, the eight, post thing minutes. was a little bit fluky, but <laughs> shout out to the post, by the way, um, <laughs> because it, it denied uh, Diamande as well. Um, you know, and but again, you know, I remember Landon Donovan tweeting about how you have to protect that back post. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that's exactly what happens off of set pieces, and we were lucky that LAFC didn't get their first corner until the sixty-first minute. Yeah, because I mean. The Galaxy were good about preventing that up, uh, preventing those moments because they also knew when Diamande came in, they really didn't have an answer for his physicality. If you look at a lot of LAFC's chances and the goals that they scored after Diamande came in, it was mainly Diamande wrecking havoc on the center midfield, on the center backs, who just really didn't have an answer for his speed and his size. And yeah, exactly. And that's why you sub him on from, for Rodriguez. That kind of changed the game for LAFC is that Diamande yeah. came in. I mean, but I knew, I always knew that they were going to sub in Diamande. Like, yeah. But my, my thing is, the thing that I kind of, I mourn the most about this game is the first 15 minutes of this game, the Galaxy were dominant. I mean, they were, yeah. they were in all-consuming force. In top form. And then in the 16th minute, there's a bad turnover, and Carlos Vela just absolutely hits into open space. Stairs misses a challenge. Gonzalez gets turned by Vela, and Vela scores it. Mm-hmm. And all that pressure just goes. Like, I mean, all that energy, all that good kind of positive forward motion goes away. But see, I always thought that LAFC was gonna was gonna score first, and Villa was gonna Villa. You know, well, we all knew that LAFC was gonna score, but I don't know if they were gonna score first, considering a lot of the opportunities that the Galaxy got. I mean, the, the first. But they're minutes, at home, so I kind of just thought. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. But if you look at the first fifteen minutes, the Galaxy were. I mean, absolutely. They can see. Yeah. They can see two good chances to LAFC in the tenth and the fourteenth minute, but. Yeah. After that, I mean, you know, outside of those two kind of excursions, the first fifteen minutes are all LA Galaxy. Um, and then again, they keep coming back. Legette comes close in the 22nd. They were dominating set-piece opportunities. The first 45 minutes was pretty much won by the LA Galaxy, you know, in moments. I mean, they, they went into halftime down 2-1, but we can talk about that goal in the 40th minute that LAFC scored that was offside. But they were playing incredibly smart soccer in terms of, you know, containing what LAFC does well and, and, and yeah, give credit where credit is due for sure. And playing very well. I mean, Jonathan I mean, they, you know, they, they were comfortably sitting in first place. I mean, that's who we were facing, you know? Yeah. And Jonathan Dos Santos was absolutely brilliant in that first 45. Oh I mean, God. Yeah. He's I our mean, best. I mean, he's our best player on the team next to Zlatan. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> I think he's our most important player on our team. I think Zlatan is our best player, but I think Jonathan Dos Santos he's... is the most important player. Because I think if, you, if you've looked at the games where Jonathan DeSantis has been missing, this midfield doesn't know how to tick. And this midfield is critical to what the Galaxy Absolutely. want to do. He, t- I mean, he definitely tore it up. I mean, I have in my notes, like, just, you know, tearing it up in the mid. Um, 
also he 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 also uh, was taking several shots and 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 the balls that he got um, off of free kicks like that that one to Romney that you know was like a good header uh, and yeah he I mean he's he's a gem on this team I mean we knew that and we we're so glad to see how far he's come and we knew that this is who he could be. Yeah, I, I found it interesting as well, kind of looking at the player position maps uh, from this game, that the highest posted midfielder for, like, in terms of field position uh, was Jonathan Dos Santos. So I think what they were trying to do with Jonathan Dos Santos was basically harry the center backs and the deepest line midfielders for LAFC into bad passing decisions, and Jonah would win those moments and then therefore flood the attack that way. Basically, the Galaxy tried to play on winning moments of transition, which what which is normally what LAFC does against you. So they basically tried to turn the playbook. But I think, A, they didn't really have the players for it. And B, I think the fact that Bob Bradley had his side set a little bit deeper, had a little bit more time on the ball at time, or like in those moments of where someone was trying to win the ball in transition and had more players to pass to, then therefore pulled all these lines so disseparate to the point where they had enough time to work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say, I mean, yeah, the galaxy were good in attack. Like, I mean, that's the thing where it's like, we're saying yeah. there, like there's these moments where I'm like, for example, the 52nd goal mouse scramble, that's, that's a moment where they got to, they got to put that away, you know, like, yes, exactly. Jonathan yeah. Santos has a phenomenal chance in the 65th minute. Literally Tyler Miller just net. shows up. Like, Drini missed what I yeah, think was the best chance of the match. Yeah, he tried to scissor that and let the ball bounce. Like, yeah. So I, I think a Drini that's played 10 matches doesn't do that. I think a Drini yeah. that's only played, you know, 30 minutes does that. It's it's things where it's, it's at the end of the day, with these kind of rivalry games where, like, tactically we can keep trying to break it down, but at the end of the day, just sometimes your talent shows up and your opponent's talent doesn't. And, yeah. I mean, Eber was relatively quiet again this game. Mm-hmm. The first 35 minutes, for sure. Allison Drini was good, but, again, there was moments where kind of Allison Drini was pretty quiet. I mean, Jonathan was phenomenal. Pavone was, Pavone was phenomenal Pavone, as well. yeah, also. But if you look at the rest of the team, I'm just sitting there being like, I can't really point to individual moments between, like, Legette, Kitchen. Well, Legette did get a really good shot. Yeah, he had he had one good chance, you know. Yeah, like, yeah I know. But here's the thing: consider what it, we asked of him, it's considering how he played last game against Minnesota. Here's the thing about playoffs: one good chance you have to convert, and that's what they did in Minnesota, and that's not what they did this evening. Yeah. I think also, I mean, we can talk about Gonzalez's performance because he, I mean, he got killed twice by Diego Rossi in the span of five minutes, and I. Yeah. I know, I feel, and that's when people were like, "Well, we should have started Felter." Well, probably. I, I, I agree. I like that he was a spark. But the other thing about it is LAFC was able to draw Giancarlo Gonzalez to about the halfway line on the field. And if you look at Giancarlo Gonzalez against Minnesota, he's way deeper than that in the defensive third. So I think they may have, I think they may have baited him into thinking he had more space than he actually had. And then just basically sent Diego Rossi against him every single time to destroy him into the space that he conceded. Yeah. Um, but I, 
I mean, Sorry. It's I mean, there's nothing else I can really say say to that. I mean, that's exactly what happened. I mean, you know, we can. I, I mean, the other thing is I'm looking at is like Bingham saves. You know, he really did step it up. I mean, it could have been way more damage. I mean, David Bingham was. I wish David Bingham had been up for Golden for Golden Glove this year because he know. really did deserve it. I I. As a goalkeeper, I would or as. If I, if I was a goalkeeper, I would have never wanted to be in front of that back line. And yet David Bingham did it with a level of of just absolute brilliance that, I mean, he kept us in games this season. I mean, he saved he the season pretty much at times. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this game, this game too, kept us alive. Um, I really thought even, even for us to come back like that, like we had been in worse spots. You know, after that first half when we were 2-1, for sure we had been in worse spots than that. Um, and then with Felcher, you know, scored that goal, and we still had 25 minutes to play. I wasn't saying that this was game over at all. I don't think any of us were, considering previous previous traffickers have indicated that a lead is the most dangerous thing to hold in this in this in this game. Yeah, but I think it, when the fifth goal went in, I I kind of looked at the team the way they responded, and I was just like. This looks like a team that really is exhausted and just doesn't have one more go in them. And I and I I don't blame them because I mean they lost two games going into the playoffs. They had to fight aggressively hard in RSL to get that result to get them yeah. to the playoffs. And then they had to go out in Minnesota and play a very tough Minnesota team to a standstill and then somehow score two goals. No, like, definitely. I, I already think that we would have lost to Seattle. I think the only thing about it is, is that this is a, a crushing rivalry <laughs> game to lose to, you know, like up until now they couldn't well, beat us. Well, I was going to say, I think, I think that's why a lot of us galaxy fans are a little bit macabre about the whole entire thing is the fact mm-hmm. that this, I think if, if this loss, the first loss had come in the regular season, I think a lot of us would have been a little bit more emotionally okay with taking this loss. Sure. But right, they had to beat us at some point. Yeah, it, it, it's the reality of our sport is that you draw enough lottery tickets, you win it one time, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's the fact that it happened in the playoffs that hurts most. I will say, I think the way that LAFC treated this game as their own MLS Cup is a little bit concerning for them. Yeah. Um, well, and even, gr- even how they started with the Supporter Shield. I mean, yeah, and, and I agree with you that I wouldn't want to face Seattle right now. Um, I think... Right. We, I think Seattle would have been a brutal test for this Galaxy team that I don't think they would have had in them. Well, and for us to go to Century Link and, and to have done that too, that's, yeah. I mean, look look at our record there just this season. This is MLS, road teams don't do well in MLS. <laughs> like, that's the <laughs> and, But look, we did, I mean, like I said, I can't emphasize enough how my love grew for my team after this game. And we have a love for this club and, you know, the 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 supporters that we have that, that raved the bank. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm just super, super proud of, of LA Galaxy for, and, and Shaloto, like he had his first season with us and, and he gets us out of what was a two year drought for getting to the playoffs. I also think, we're on the right track now, I feel. With Shaloto, I am impressed by the tactical work he's put in, considering this is not his team. A lot of these players, yeah. 
having seen Shaloto in Argentina, having known his Boca teams, a lot of the players that he's being surrounded by right now are not his type of players. And for him to kind of basically put a lot of duct tape on the RV and get it into the playoffs is, is an impressive feat in and all of itself. Um, I think I don't want to start the postmortem too early because I do want to kind of harp on one or two things in, on, on this LAFC game. But I think my one complaint with GVS, and it stems from this game, oh, is, yeah. that, is that GVS is a bit too dogmatic for my tastes. And the fact that there was Bob Bradley presented him this tactical wrinkle, like something that in terms of pulling the galaxy lines apart and then hitting through it, he didn't make a fair amount of subs or he didn't, he didn't really bother to correct for that. Yeah. And that's kind of always been the knock on GBS is that he's very dogmatic to what he thinks is the best strategy. And in Minnesota, we only use two subs. And I think tonight or uh, sorry, Thursday night, we saw kind of that, dogmatism come to the fore and that's a little bit concerning for me but I think I mean look he's he's going to have an offseason and I think his hiring and DTK's hiring late in the offseason last year didn't help at all but I think it's going to be very good for him he's going to have a full offseason with DTK and DTK has full confidence in him and I, I I'm I'm excited to see what they together can come up with quickly on the LAFC LA Galaxy game the Galaxy ran this game in terms of shots, shots on target, and, you know, like, a, a lot of offensive statistics. So I think everyone who's claiming, you know, doom and gloom, I mean, they led in corners, they led in, you know, passing accuracy, they led in total passes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's moments in this game where I'm like, I'm sitting there being like, this is exciting. I think what killed us and what's killed us all season is that I don't think the Galaxy... <laughs> Well, no, I I don't think the Galaxy had turned in a full 90-minute performance where you could say, yes, the Galaxy dominated this game, they ran this game, they got the result they deserved. Yeah. And I think this was a game where the Galaxy played 45, 50 very good minutes and did not play 40 good minutes. And good teams will take advantage of that. Absolutely. And, 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 but that's been our criticism of, of this team you know, besides the defense, like all, all season. So when it comes to playoffs, you know, it's definitely been the story of the season. Like this is not, I think we're not surprised by the result. Like I said, it just hurts. Um, I mean, look, losing hurts regardless of who we're playing against. Like we, we haven't had a cup win since 2014 and we hadn't been in the playoffs the last two seasons. So, you know, we're used to winning. Us fans, we're used to winning. And this is the winningest club in in, in the league. So, you know, that's why we have such high standards and everything. But I really just really think that 2021, we could, like, the cup could be ours. A little, and DTK can make their moves. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, in the offseason about what those moves could be. But for now, um, you know, with what we got, with what we saw just with this, uh, I don't I don't see why not. I don't see I how, like, we, we, you know, we couldn't make another run. I don't think I. I think if the Galaxy put together a good offseason, we there's no reason to not think that we're talking about 2020 as a very good year for the LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, if it, it, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, 
last night kind of reaffirmed this frustration I've had with the Galaxy in 2019, which is just like, yeah. we're two, three parts away that are so easily obtainable. Yeah. Like, it's, we're so close. And it's that extra, like, 5% that if, if they can just get there, then the Galaxy are going to be one of the best teams in MLS, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. They'll have the just... bench, they have the bench depth. They have the starting 11 depth. Mm-hmm. The academy is finally starting to kind of produce results that they needed. God, it's it, it's close. Yeah, I mean, we just have to swallow this and kind of just move on, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I, I consider this a successful season. I think any LA Galaxy fan who doesn't consider this a successful season is off their rocker. I mean, <laughs> simply because, and and I know there's a lot of Galaxy fans who. Unless we win MLS Cup, it's not a, a successful season. Right, right. And, any, and anybody, look, and, and, and the other way, like, everybody's going to argue that, right? Like, they're all going to say that, like, nobody should be able to talk, even LAFC, if they can't lift that trophy over their heads, you know? Well, that's a different conversation for LAFC, considering the fact that they are statistically the greatest team in MLS history right now. Right. But if, but I think a lot of people would consider that moot if, they don't win MLS Cup. That's a very different conversation. Absolutely. But I yeah, think... I will wait for that, but... <laughs> I mean, I think... Look, I... The Galaxy just have to go out and get two new wingbacks, a center back, and another striker. That's all they really have to do. It's very easily doable in an offseason where DTK and Shaloto have the full offseason. Starting tomorrow, pretty much. Yeah. And I want to go back to this match, like... Is it fair to say that it was an even match? Because that's what I that's what I think. I think it was. I mean, yes, we dominated statistically and everything, but when you look at the the back and forth and and you know, despite some calls and non calls. Well, we, well, we haven't you know, talked. We haven't talked about the offside goal yet, but I know, and I. I think. I think even I, I'm I, not trying to like sit here and like get excuses for things because I've you know even mentioned like the smoke from the celebrations, and that's just like. And, you know, there's no excuses, you know, we lost. It's things things where professionals, they get through it no matter what. Um, Yes, exactly. Exactly. And those calls are, I mean, it's it's literally an inch and a half with with the offside Bella goal. And and that's the whole entire thing about VAR is that it's it's a question of what frame you use, you know? Yeah. In those inches. I mean, it was just frustrating, though, because, like, if I feel like I can see it and I'm not just, like, some biased Galaxy fan, like, I feel like they should be able to see that, though. Yeah, but, like, I mean, it's the reality of VAR is that you're looking at a video screen and did it they, depends. Did they even use it? Did they even go to VAR? That's... As as far as I understand it, uh, Stott was consulting with the fifth official, I guess is what the official. They're, like, the VAR official, which is looking at the screen and basically uh-huh. saying, oh, you should look at this or something like that. Um, I mean, it's a question of which frame you use in in those decisions that are that tight. And, and, that's, and that's the problem with VAR is yeah. that... In, and I, I and I don't mean to apply it just to this game, but it's it's happened multiple oh. times throughout multiple leagues where it's been these marginal yes. outside calls, and the complaint is, oh, well, you're using the wrong frame of the shot, and it's, I mean, that's we're now realizing that VAR is also subject to human uh, human yeah, interpretation, yeah. and that's well, what we were. Like <laughs> I, mean, I was gonna say we're realizing it's subject to human interpretation, which is the exact reason the exact reason we bring in VAR to try and destroy that. So yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just as a as an MLS person and trying to grow the league, you know, it you want to be taken seriously, and it's just like 
just use it properly. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, there's also, there's also been this interesting kind of trend in the playoffs that I've kind of picked up on where VR decisions aren't going to the on-field monitor anymore. Like a lot of VR decisions have just been decided in the earpiece rather than the on-field referee going to the monitor and looking at it actually. And I think maybe that was a directive from MLS basically saying like, oh, we don't want to delay. Or, I don't know if it's necessarily a delay of the game, but also like they want to, I guess, give more power to the VR officials rather than the on-field ref when it comes to VR decisions. I'm not exactly sure of the plan, but I've just kind of noticed it over a few games where there have been VR decisions that I thought were pretty t- tight that normally in the regular season, the center referee would go to the uh, whatever monitor, wherever it's located on the field, and they haven't done it this season. So I, I or this, this postseason, excuse me. So I'm not exactly sure if it was necessarily a directive from the league or from pro. So I, it just, it's, it's, it's something that strikes me, I think, kind of interestingly. Yeah, and I mean, dare we say that maybe they'll get the hang of this thing next season or like the seasons to come <laughs> it's, been, it's been like two years with pro and i can't think of a league i can't think of a league that's actually nailed it with pro so right oh, sorry oh god my bad uh it's been two seasons with var and um i can't think of a league that's uh, yeah, nailed it with sorry, VAR. I'm, at, I'm at var too i, I knew what you meant <laughs> also it's been two years with pro and mls and i can't think of a mls league that's nailed it with pro so yeah yeah i mean yeah it just it just felt like galaxy against the world, you know. We're we're the villains. People love to hate us, and um, you know, it just felt like the league was against us. And but but that's what makes these that rivalry you. games fun, and that's what made it that much more, you know, put put that much more effort and energy into cheering the yeah. hell out of this team. And back to your question about was it a fair result? I think it was. I honestly do. I think oh, the galaxy. Absolutely, yeah. I think the galaxy were second best on the night. I mean, after a really rough. 15 minutes for LAFC, they were, I mean, we saw what the rest of the league saw, which is a phenomenally yeah. gifted attacking team. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if they, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch them because they played a team in the Galaxy that was, was interested in matching them one for one in terms, basically, I think the Galaxy looked at this game and said, we have the attacking core that you guys have. And we'll just bet on our defense getting it right on the evening. And the defense did not get it right on the evening. But I think if they yeah. play if they play a team that's going to set up and basically say, all right, we see Diego Rossi, we see Lee Wen, we see Latif Blessing, we see Carlos Vela. Cool. All right. Well, we're just going to set up defensively and have fun. Good luck on breaking us. I think they're going to struggle against that team a little bit. And that's going to be interesting to see as a tactical kind of battle moving forward. So per the questions, thank you guys uh, who contributed and who listen. And I can't thank you enough, you guys, uh, for all the support. And our call have changed the dynamic of the game. I said yes, it it would have. Um, You know, I think it would have been more of a a 4-4 feeling. But then again, like I said, you know, I didn't want to go to extra time. You know, you're playing for a loss at that point. I mean, it. it's one, one and a half at that point. And then I think the Galaxy then go into this idea that what I thought I saw in Minnesota, which was when they went up a goal or, you know, when, when it was a 2-1, which is just like, all right, well, we're just playing for a result. And then 
let the 30 minutes of extra time go as they go as they play. But I, I don't think it affected it that much considering the fact that LAFC's attackers are so talented that they probably would have gotten a goal regardless. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, it's a bad look for, for the league and for, for pro and for, you know, all refing in this league, which is something we talk about seemingly every week. <laughs> I but I, right. I don't think it was necessarily the defining moment of this game. I think I did, as far as I'm concerned, the defining moment. No, of this game, it wasn't. The, it wasn't the defining moment of this game. Absolutely not. The defining moment of this game is when the fifth goal comes in because the Galaxy de- or the Galaxy defense can't get things together two minutes after the fourth goal goes in. Yeah, that's the defining moment to me. As far as I'm concerned, this game ends four three to LAFC every single time I play it back in my head. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, and by that and by that goal, there you know there was nothing. There was no excuses. You know what I mean? I mean, there's there's no excuse to there's no excuse anyway. But two yeah. goals in five minutes. I mean, that's just you have to be better. I mean, there's no reason to concede two goals in five minutes. Yeah, that's not cut material. That's yeah, not, no. that's not moving on to face Seattle material for us. Exactly. Um, let's see. Next one I got. <laughs> Somebody's already screaming GBS out, but I think we've covered that GBS is going to help us. Well, make this team so a cup winning team. <laughs> I kind of understand why a lot of people are saying that because tactically GBS did get this game kind of wrong. Um, but what I what I will say about GBS in terms of what he did at Boca when he was coaching, I mean he created some really, really good teams with but the thing is he had time and he had he had a front office that was willing to kind of bend to his will. When he first came into this job, I mean, he was handed a roster that was clearly not his. And all the targets that he really wanted, like Alejandro, or Alejandro Yara, who went to DC United, they, the Galaxy were deeply in for him. I mean, some other Argentines that he was really interested in. Those deals never came off. Now he's got a full offseason. He's got time. He's got, he'll get um, salary cap space because I don't imagine Shkelvik comes back. I don't imagine Rolf Felcher comes back on the current contract that he's on. Polenta may not come back after this performance. Um, and I mean, the Ibrahimovic question is still an open-ended question. Right. But only, he'll at least have some salary cap room to work with. I think... And Pavone's with us till December 2020. And so it's, a free, and it's yeah. a free loan. So I think yeah. he's going to have time to... He's going to have a fair amount of salary cap room to work with. And he's going to be able to bring in guys that fit his system a little bit more than I think the players that he was given did, necessarily. couple other things here um so i just had saved some bookmark tweets uh that i thought were worth discussing um zach goldman says i'm an LA galaxy fan for whom tonight means a lot uh that's thursday night but i really find the most anticipated match in mls history stuff a little bit much it's a rivalry but it's also five games old it's in the playoffs but it's also the quarterfinals mls's history is bigger than that hype to that point i think the most hype match in MLS history, as we talked about earlier, I've, I've always said the most important matches in MLS history are always MLS Cups, never anything more. Yeah. But also, I understand why it got hyped up so heavy, because most of the people that were hyping it up were people that consistently work with MLS very deeply. They have to sell a product. They have to sell a product to TV audiences. So why worked. not? <laughs> so so why not brand this at that level? Like, I mean, you've got, you've, you've got to sell eyes. Like, you've got to sell a product to eyes. And they did. And it's so 
I don't think a lot of people who were saying like the most hyped MLS match in all history, I don't think a lot of them believed that. I think it was just more the fact that they were like, look, we're selling our league. And honestly, the best game to watch in this league has been LAFC versus the LA Galaxy. Add the playoff drama to it. Yeah, we can sell this pretty easily. And so like, I don't, I don't blame guys like Taylor Twelman and John Champion and whoever just kind of selling it up and just being like, oh, it's the most important match in MLS history. They have to in order to sell a TV product. Like, I'm okay with that. Was it the most anticipated match in MLS history? It was probably up there. But, and did it live up to that anticipation? Oh, it definitely did. Oh, it definitely did. But I don't think, like, I I, I understand the cynicism of just basically saying, like, oh, it, it was, it, like, oh, this is way too much, whatever. But also, I think if you look at it from, like, a larger non-Galaxy MLS lens perspective, I understand a lot of the branding, the talking, the hyping up of this match to in order to sell a product to to eyes that you may have never been able to access before. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also reading about uh, Jonathan Dos Santos not having played a deeper role to protect the back line in transition, but I, I mean... It was our backline that, like I said, we've always been working with this, and and we and we did we did talk about that when we talked about Gonzalez, and it's like well, that was that was Perry Kitchen's job it was basically yeah. Perry Kitchen, Jonathan Dos Santos. Perry Kitchen became Jonathan Dos Santos theoretically, in terms of protecting the backline, and Jonathan Dos Santos basically became Fabio Alvarez in previous games against LAFC, where he aggressively man marked up the field to prevent them from having passing opportunities from the deepest lying midfielder. However. LAFC's tactical wrinkle where they basically pulled deeper, pulled Jonathan so far disconnected from the midfield line that they had enough room to kind of work through in the center of midfield. I really thought Kitchen was going to get sent off <laughs> because of the I yellow, think, got I a yellow card early. I, I texted you in like the 15th minute. I was like, Parrot Kitchen's gone tonight. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just proud of our guys and, and you know, this is this is what you're going to get when it's single elimination playoffs. Yeah, and we're playing in their in their territory. And and I understand why MLS moved to the single elimination after last year because they wanted to up the drama and they got what they wanted. But as, well, it's very World Cup feel. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and that's awesome about soccer. But when your team's involved in it, it always just if you're on the wrong end of it, it, it completely sucks. Absolutely. I just I I quickly want to hear from you, like. If if there's any kind of awesome, like, I know we're going to do postmortems in the next three weeks, um, but if you kind of want to offer an overarching kind of postmortem to the season, I'd love to hear it from you. Uh, well, like a eulogy for the season? I mean, not. <laughs> I, said, I said postmortem. Those are a little bit less deep than a eulogy, but. <laughs> okay, let me sure this thing. <laughs> well. Do you have tissues nearby? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know. Look. Rewatching the thank you fans video, how do you not <laughs> well up with pride and tears? Um, and just overall, looking back on this season, and we had the shadow of two poor seasons not making it to playoffs. Um, you know, seeing Kamara come and go and Zlatan come in, and you put all not just high, high hopes, but, you know, you see a, 
essentially a one-man show and we know Zlatan is the person and we know Zlatan is his character and you know to to put to put all the the weight on on his shoulders but then to see uh Jonathan Dos Santos step up uh Leggett was in a slump and he came back um and got and got us a goal in Minnesota too and then you have Pavon come in and god he can just get crosses that all of us were just hoping for and when Alessandrini just couldn't keep playing for us and you know knowing that now that that the that they they mishandled uh his injury and they ended up going to surgery and and here we were and to be able to get somebody like Pavon to come in and make those cut-ins and and play with like a passion and a heart that, that we'd all been wanting because that's what we were kind of worried about that after a loss I can't remember which loss it was but you know the the team was standing around kind of laughing and smiling after a loss and you were just kind of like what in the hell am I watching and who is this club and then but then to see Jonathan Dos Santos kissing the crest and you know Pavon saying like you know we're gonna get this next year it's just this was the passion from the team that we've been calling for I know Bingham had his share of criticisms but man and I know that he's our last line of defense and we knew that our defense was our weakness but you have Bingham come in and, and just and just really make these saves for, for for us just incredible saves and it's just it's just really a shame to go to go out like this and against uh LAFC um but again uh, you know holding our heads high and to say with a new named park Dignity Health Sports Park and to say that we can walk with dignity uh you know, move on, on to the next one. Like, this is just, it shows you what we've got. It shows you our potential. And um, we're, we're coming. We're coming back. Was, we're on that, the right track now. That was incredibly well said. That was, I liked I liked that tie with the Dignity Hill Sports Park and holding our heads with Dignity. That was, that was awesome. Thank you. But I just really shout out to all of the supporters, all of the fans who traveled. Um, and just everybody's cool. been phenomenal this season i mean the galaxy family and the twitter family I, I met so many people last season and when you think it couldn't get better i mean my god the amount of people that i met and the support and and especially you and jamie particularly i mean jamie got the stickers christian you're my co-host like i am super proud and super excited and i can't wait to share more projects with everybody and fellow podcasts podcasters who are listening um you know we want to hear from you I'm trying to schedule some of you guys on, and 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 we're working it. You know, this is only the beginning. Yeah, it 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 feels like a very different era of the LA Galaxy, and that's to me what I'm the most positive about. I think. I mean, as someone who traveled aggressively this year. Um, yeah right. <laughs> I re- I remember. I faced years- a tornado. Okay, in Kansas City. Like are you, for this. <laughs> you, you've suffered the most, I guess, for us. Oh my god. No, but as someone who. No, that that humidity in in Houston was. Oh, that was. I really thought Alex from First of I was going to die of heat stroke. We I thought so it was. Great. I thought it was. I thought it was about to pass out at some point. I know. Um, there wasn't enough water in our level. Like they ran out. <laughs> <laughs> but as someone who has seen away support, for example, go from like. 10 people to now 300 people like we're selling our way allocations yeah like breaking records we broke the record for most travelers it is it is highly heartening for me to see everyone getting involved and and just it 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 warms my heart i i 
I'm generally and we're loyal fans, win or lose. Exactly, and I I think if you're a Galaxy fan who's kind of had their head down and about this game and and has and has felt kind of sad and and heard I'm about the sure game about being a season ticket holder. <laughs> Until they pay me a commission, I'm not selling season, season tickets. Well, um, yeah. well, that's different. You're like, you know, but as as I, but as I, I used to come here from Palmdale. I get you. <laughs> as I as I was uh, as I was saying, if you, if you're if your head's down about this if about this loss, and if you're kind of feeling a little bit lost, just think about everything that we've accomplished this year. We're back in the playoffs for the first time in two years. If you look at it, we travel the most that MLS has ever seen in terms of, of, of tickets bought. We've, there's amazing individually produced fan content about this team. Like I just, I, I can't, I can't think enough of how positive I'm about what's going to happen over the next few seasons. There's, there's like, I mean, we, we got Pavone for a year. I mean, Ibrahimovic may return next year, but like we all have yeah. salary cap room. Like we've got a phenomenal head coach. We've got a phenomenal technical director. Like and and real quick, I wanted to mention Efrain Alvarez. We saw like the sixteen year old. Yeah. Just oh my god, come up, you know, and I'm like, start. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm like I'm tripping over my words because I'm just like I. And leagues cup. <laughs> I'm so grateful to. Every single new Galaxy fan I met this year, and I met so many that was it was so awesome. Like I remember years where I would meet maybe two new Galaxy fans, and I met hundreds this year. Like I'm tripping over words also because like I mean, away days it was like it was packed out. Like and that U.S. Open Cup where Jamie sold all those tickets. Exactly, so many people there. That doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like not even sold. She moved the tickets. You know that doesn't happen in a vacuum. That happens in a in this incredible community that we've built. And I, I we've think we've got our own marketplace. Can I just say like, in <laughs> the, like we've got stickers and threads and food. It's yeah, just, exactly. it's amazing. God, it's amazing. Like I, I lemonade shout out to LA's our house. <laughs> I texted a friend today and I was just like, I think the thing that struck me most about the season was that this community, this amazing, diverse, beautiful, phenomenal, just kick-ass community it came to the fore this year and I think everyone started to really engage in this community and really started to be like we're building this and this is just the basement level of of what can possibly happen and it 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 makes me so excited and so just makes me so happy to be around and and for all of you who have listened to Simply Soccer i Obviously and supported us and and added me with your stickers. I mean, thank you. I owe you a absolute debt of gratitude for everything. But to every one of you that has lended your ears to us, thank you so much. And I I truly mean it. Um, you, I mean, you keep us going is, for real through all the noise. Not the end. This is clearly no, not the end, but we're no. it's about the end of the season. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. This is the end of this episode. And and in fact, like that's why I was looking at um just thinking about that we can reflect and after losing to LAFC to still be able to hold our heads high and have all this pride and love, not just for our club, but for each other and the community that we've built. I mean, it's, it's unlike anything else. I think, I think it's fine. Like the community is fine. It's, it's the community finally coming to the forefront. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've been in, I've been in Lars. I've been in Galaxians. I've been 
in uh, ACB this season. I mean, just open arms, you know? Yeah, and, and, and to anyone that's on the fence about getting involved, there were people that want to hear you and people that want to make whatever you think is awesome a reality. So, And and I want to hear your comments on Twitter. I, I mean, Twitter is a very interactive place. I, I, you know, I'm trying to promote more on, on Instagram for sure. And I just, I want to hear from the fans. I mean, and that's why I started the YouTube channel and, you know, not to take away from Firstify because they do post-match reactions and get at fans like nobody else can. But, you know, I, I wanted to piggyback off of that just because it's like, I want to hear how you became a G. I want to hear your favorite stories and, and, and how this team has affected you. I mean, if I may say on this pod, Leslie has said that this, this club saved her. We saved her, you know, in a lot of ways. And it lifted me out of my own personal depression. And I I couldn't even imagine that when I decided to report and start a podcast that I would have the opportunities that I have had and met the people that I have. And I'm just eternally grateful. And I mean, G's up 2020, you know, I'm I'm excited for next season. I'm excited for the off season too. We've got, yeah, we got some really cool stuff coming out of the pipeline. And I've got people lined up to 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 get on. So We've you know, got still... phenomenal interviews coming down. Um, yes, you also get to hear me drop an explicit lit interview about how much I hate our defense. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, low key, this will turn into a hockey podcast. <laughs> uh, if we want to, I will operate a subcontinent. <laughs> How much I'm annoyed about the Kings. You know, um, so, I mean, there's just so many more. Our our soccer community is a small world, and and but but it is going to be great to be able to hear from from so many of our counterparts and, and fellow fans. And it's just, like I said, there's just so much coming at you. Uh, as just a real quick touch, um, somebody asked what we're doing. You know, we kind of cover what we're doing for the offseason, but and not to get too much into what we're doing in our personal lives. I am actually working two jobs. I am in English as a second language instructor, um, teaching 12 hours, you know, with some breaks in between, um, Monday through Thursday. So and always making the time. And I think we're both insomniacs and night owls anyway. I get so, it at like three in the morning. It's, <laughs> it's totally fine. You know, so it's it's more just you know just trying to schedule in, uh, just name the date and place. Uh, I definitely want to be doing uh, live recordings and YouTubing, and we got this, you guys. And yeah, you know, and, I mean, for the pod at least, uh, we'll be doing a three-week breakdown, going position by position, defender, midfielder. Midfielders and forwards. Uh, Long way rants. Yay. And I'll try to play devil's advocate to entertain you guys. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> hey, I do it for my students, you know? <laughs> that's fair. Um, so we'll be going we'll be going position by position, defenders, midfielders, forwards uh, over the next three weeks or so. Just breaking down everything for the offseason. And I think we'll have a, uh, a final kind of just postmortem. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Um, uh, who might be leaving? Who might be staying? Might, <laughs> there might be a holiday special. Oh yeah! If you want us, if you have any ideas for the holiday I mean, special, we are more than James open to said them. You're gonna take me to the snow, so oh, yeah. we're definitely gonna be spending a weekend together. Michelle has never seen snow before. Not so real far. snow. Yeah, so, look, I'm I'm LA, born and raised, you guys. Okay, eight one eight. Um, you so know, we're gonna, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. The, well, actually, probably our holiday special will be recorded from the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> but yeah. 
Um, yeah. We have a lot of cool stuff. Um, I know. And then I can travel to places that have snow. <laughs> and like you know, travel to the stadiums and and we're you're lucky that Minnesota was it colder mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> I know we got real lucky in Minnesota. It was actually pretty warm. Yeah. Um, we've got some cool interviews lined up. We've got some cool stuff. Um, working on a little more merchandise. <laughs> working on more merch. Um, yeah. And just anyway, like I know Michelle was expressing her gratitude, but I express my gratitude to all of you who have who have listened to us and 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 truly appreciate us. We've got some really cool off-season content coming, and then. Before you know it, it'll be enough sleeps, and then it'll be preseason, and we'll just Five be... months is going to go fast. With the holidays, it's going to go so fast. Yeah. And we... then because the preseason essentially will be here in February. Exactly. Um, you know? So we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about, and I'm, I'm so fucking excited. Jersey I launch just, party. I am so, so, so excited. So. Yeah. So with that said, you guys stay tuned, and thank you so much as always. Later. Love you guys.